You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. Hello, welcome to 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avzan live at the High FM studios. It's unfortunately been a while since I've been able to be live with you, and it's an honor and a privilege to be back. I think the last time I was here was, hmm, I think maybe even before the holidays. And I did intend to be with you back after the holidays. Unfortunately, um, just over a month ago, my dear father passed away quite suddenly in, in New York. And immediately I had to go to New York and then just getting back over here and trying to regain, regain a bit of a sense of equilibrium. Um, thank God the Shloshim ceremony, the 30-day ceremony was on Thursday night, Friday. And although the heart is still mourning, the heart also knows that it has to move on. And that's really what I want to talk about today, moving on. And how sometimes moving on is the greatest gift we can give. Let me explain. When somebody loses a loved one, Life stops for a moment, for for, time freezes in a sense of time, and you kind of just enter this different universe where I remember the first few days after my father's passing, just walking around, seeing people happy was just, it was surreal. Like, how can people ever taste happiness again? And then, thank God, um, once a person is able to somewhat digest the pain and get over the original trauma, they then are able to embrace the next level, and that's the level of moving on and returning to to life. During Shiva, when a person loses their parent or sibling or spouse, etc., they often... the the feeling, the, the dominant feeling at the time is that the greatest way to honor the deceased would be by freezing time. And that's what we do. We we freeze time. For a week, there's no going outside. There's no interaction with work. There's no interaction with any pretty much anything from our normal lives. We sit for a week. We mourn on a low chair. We cry, etc. And then we listen to stories and we get to know the deceased much better. But then the week is over, and a few weeks later, the month is over. And suddenly the question is, what is the greatest gift we can give the deceased? What is the greatest gift we can give the person who we're trying to honor? Is it to freeze time any longer than we already have? Or is it to re-enter life with much more gusto and enthusiasm and joy than ever before? And one of the most incredible but hardest switches I've had to make just within one week was the ability to appreciate that now, once the first phase or second phase of mourning is over, now the next stage is to not honor them by being absent from life, but rather honoring them by being more present than ever in my life. And it's a switch. You think about it, 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 it happens 
in other areas of life as well. I mean, lahavdil like the total opposites in marriage. You know, for a week we're told um, a person must totally leave work and focus on the first week of wedding. And even the first year we're told naki levesa shanachas for one year the husband must spend as much time as possible at home and r- rarely, if ever, leave town for a night. Later on in marriage, chances are it will happen more often. But for the beginning, the beginning of the transition is so important to, in a way, isolate oneself from everything else that's going on. And whether it is in the incredible arena of building a marriage and focusing on this new home or whether it's in the heartbreaking arena of loss, there is this need to somewhat exit society that's why we, as I mentioned, we have the first week of mourning, we have the month, and even for children, they have the whole year where they cannot go to social events on the most part, they cannot listen to music, they somewhat exit the social scene to be able to mourn. But at the same time, to be able to appreciate that the greatest gift, once we've exited and processed the trauma, the greatest gift that we can give to those who we lost is to re-enter life more enthusiastic than, than ever. To live without compromising the quality of life, the joy that we need. And we just, a week ago, we entered two months of Adar. This year, due to the fact that it's a leap year, we have two months of Adar, and we're told that these are both months of joy. When Adar enters, a person must increase with incredible joy. And this year, instead of having simply 30 days of joy, we have 60 days focused on joy. It's an incredible amount of time to focus on one theme. Simcha. Joy. And when a person's in a difficult headspace, when a person is in a mourning headspace, when a person is in a, um, you know, dark, negative headspace, cynical headspace, they cannot imagine that joy is even within reach or that joy is an aspiration worth aspiring to. But the truth is that joy is the greatest gift in life. Joy is not a betrayal of all our challenges, it's the greatest gift that we can give our challenges. It's the greatest gift we can give ourselves to go through our challenges. There's some of us, some people who just feel this absolute necessity to be morose, this absolute obsession with being negative, cynical, worst case scenario, expecting the worst, living in a mindset of darkness just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And thinking that that is the way to live. The the way to live is to be cynical. Think about it. Very often you'll find that the most cynical people are very clever people. And the more sophisticated somebody is, specifically in, you know, certain Western societies, the more cynical and serious and put together they are, and they see joy as the antithesis of sophistication. They see joy as the antithesis of maturity and intellectualization. If you're true intelligentsia, you're depressed. You're serious. You're, you're 
preparing your next doomsday scenario paper. But that is not the way to honor life. The way to honor life is not to be cynical. There's enough cynical people out there. To sit there predicting doom and gloom does not take genius. It doesn't take character to be negative. It takes character to, despite the challenges, not in denial of the challenges, and despite the heartbreak, not denying the heartbreak that we all have at different phases of our lives, to live above it with joy and optimism and positivity and a jump in our step, a a feeling of, yes, another day that I could wake up and make a difference. It is not fun to be sad. I know that sounds like a counterintuitive statement, but very often it, it's it's fun. It's the cool thing to do. It's fun to be miserable. It's fun to be cynical. It's fun to paint everything much darker than it is. You think you know it's bad. I'll tell you. You think you know what corruption is. Ah, there's a million other stories of corruption I could tell you. There is no genius in that. And that is no way of honoring life. The greatest way to honor life is not by the abstention of life, not by walking away from life, not by avoiding the gifts of life, but rather by living life to the fullest. My father, may he rest in peace, of blessed memory, was a person who squeezed a lot out of life, although he died in his early 60s as a very young man, he had an incredible zest for life, and he literally did not know how to be sad for more than a moment. Even when tough things happened, he would get over it quickly. And the, the this idea that's been replaying in my mind this past month after losing my dad was how much he must be sitting there looking at me saying, come on, get back into life. Live it. Embrace it. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Yes, you can miss the relationship and feel a bit of a hole in the heart, but don't allow that to sabotage the quality of your marriage, the quality of your parenting, the quality of your work, the quality of your relationships, of your friendships, of your your mind, of your heart. Don't allow the difficulties and the loss to affect that because that is not a testament of the love it's a betrayal of the love because if 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 the mourner asks themselves what really does the person want their loved one wants the person wants them to live life to the fullest to continue their legacy in this world not by abstention of this world and yes there is a week there's a month there's a year of different levels of mourning after somebody passes away however it is incumbent on the mourner to realize that it's also a transition in back into the world after the original trauma after the first week it's now about re-entering society with more gusto and more enthusiasm to live life. To suck out the marrow of every single day. We're, as I mentioned earlier, we're in the month of Adar, the month of joy.
And the month of joy calls upon each and every one of us and says, Stop feeling cool by standing on the side of the dance floor. Stop feeling cool by standing outside the arena, by being a journalist of life. Enter it. Enter the dance floor. Enter life. Feel. Dance. Allow your heart to explode with positivity, with love. Embrace. Because the truth is that the greatest testament we could do for those of us who have challenges is not walking around feeling sorry for them and ourselves, but rather living life even better, making our life even more quality. Yes, we have to have empathy for those who struggle, and yes, we have to miss those who we lost. But in no way should that, heaven forbid, ruin our life. Because the greatest gift we give the world is when we live a life of quality, when we live a life of joy. We do no favors walking around with our heads held low. We do no favors to those suffering, and we do no favors to those deceased. But the truth is that the greatest favor we can do to the world is live Live, live. This is 101.9 Chai FM here on Soul to Soul. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, the song you were just listening to is Hineni. And it's actually interesting because it's connected to the Sinai and Daba, which is happening in a few weeks' time. And that is one of the speakers at the Sinai and Daba is going to be Slovi Jungreis Wolf. And her mother, who she's actually going to talk about, I saw in the schedule, she's going to be talking about her mom, Robertson Esther Youngrice, in the 70s, opened an organization um, of Jewish outreach called Hineni. Here I am, basically calling on people to show up and be present in Jewish life. And this song that was just played by MBD, I think it's a song from the 70s or early 80s, it's called Hineni, uh, Here I Am, and it was actually a song dedicated to that organization. So... um yeah, just an interesting uh, connection. And once we're at it, this year at Sinai Encore, Reb- Rabbanit Yamima Mizrahi, recently voted one of Israel's most influential women, explores the power of femininity and sisterhood, showing how throughout Jewish history, women have joined together to fight for the integrity of the home all over the world. Strong, passionate, supportive women are holding things together. All this and so much more at this year's Sinai Encore. Book now at sinai slash indaba.co.za or compute ticket for Cape Town on the 24th of February, Durban on the 27th of Feb, and Johannesburg on the 2nd and 3rd of March. Seats are limited. I want to thank those who are sending in notes of condolences. Our SMS number here at the Haifam Studios, 34519, WhatsApp 0618951019. And I'd like to dedicate the show, and please God, all the shows this year in the memory of my late father, Rabbi Yonah by Rabbi Meir. May he rest in peace. And we were talking about joy. It's something that in my, in my own journey right now, it's something I'm grappling with, the ability in difficult times, to be joyous. And I want to share with you a few things which might sound very simplistic, and they, the chances are they are, but I think when a person goes through certain difficulties in life or certain episodes, whether difficulties or good things, there are certain things that just drop. They, there are aha moments, certain things that you could have always preached about, but you never fully 
thank God, you never fully appreciated it, never fully processed. It didn't resonate as powerfully as it could because it wasn't attaching itself to an event. There was nothing familiar within me to appreciate the wisdom in that statement. And one of the statements that really came to be highlighted in my life this past month was the statement, Ezo Ashira Samech Bechalko. Who is wealthy? Somebody who is happy with their lot. And of course, there's always the cynical statement that comes there. We were talking about cynicism before saying, yes, it's very easy to be happy when you have a lot. A terrible uh, pun. But who is happy? Somebody who's happy, who's wealthy, somebody who's happy with their portion. Happy with their portion. Over the, over Shiva while sitting in New York with my siblings and my mom and my uncles and aunts, we, we're hearing a lot of, you know, statements of empathy and compassion. And at this moment, I actually want to reach out and wish long life to my colleague and another teacher here on Chai FM, Rabbi Katz, for the passing of his late mom, the Rebbitson of Pretoria Shul for many years, wishing him long life and only good news in the future. So people were coming during Shiva and, you know, saying words of empathy. I cannot imagine what you're going through. I feel so bad for you guys. How are you going through it? And it was interesting. There was a certain individual who came to comfort and she walked over to my mom and she said, I cannot imagine how you're coping with this. You know, my mom's not, is under 60 years old, thank God, and a widow with 12 children. Um, six of them married, thank God, six of them still at home. And she turns to my mom and says, I don't know how you're going through. And my mom looks at her and says, and I don't know how you go through what you're going through. Unfortunately, this woman has had quite an episode with her husband, thank God, still alive, who's made some serious mistakes in life and unfortunately has brought lots of shame and embarrassment on himself and by extension the family. And there she is, you know, empathizing with my mother for the pain that she's going through. But ultimately my mother is telling her, I feel blessed to be able to mourn my husband who, although imperfect, left an incredible legacy being celebrated around the world, whereas you have to deal with a, a spouse who unfortunately is very compromised and has a very compromised legacy even while he's still alive. And at that moment, it just hit me that we often cannot imagine the, the pain the other person's going through. And sometimes we actually magnify the pain because we could only understand that pain based on our own experiences without realizing that it's their pain and they're experiencing it in their own unique way. So for one person who's suffering so much with a living spouse, they cannot imagine what it is to have a, a, a spouse that passed away. But the one who has lost their spouse is looking at the person with a living spouse, but w- very compromised and saying, and I cannot imagine what you're going through. And that's when it just hit me, Ezo Ashir, who's wealthy, somebody who's happy with their lot, because each and every one of us has our lot in life, has our package. And somehow, through the miracle of God, he gives us the ability to be able to see the blessings in our own life. Yes, there are those of us, unfortunately, who struggle to see the blessings, but for most people I've met, 
most people are able, even in the challenges of life, to find joy and the ability to see blessing. And the outsider looks at their life and says, I can't imagine what you're going through. I can't imagine you re-entering life. I can't imagine you finding joy again. But again, it's not their journey. It's not their journey. Each and every one of us has our journey. And our journey is very much tailor-made for us. And here's what I said earlier, that what I'm saying might be cliche, because these are the kind of statements that we often hear, that each and every one of us has our package in life, our peckle, our you know burden to carry, but it's our burden. And if we had to exchange it with anybody else, we would go right back to our burden. Those statements are cliche, but when going through the, some of the challenges of life, we, we realize it's true. It's really true that somehow on our own challenges of life, God gives us the, the ability so often to reframe it in our minds to be able to find a ray of light, to be able to find the silver lining. Whereas the person on the outside whose job it is not to find a ray of light, it's not their journey. They look at the person who's going through difficulties and saying, I cannot imagine how you wake up in the morning. It's not their journey. And therefore, they don't see that ray of light. But the person whose journey it is, that person who unfortunately has a child with disabilities, a special child, that person who's lost a loved one, that person who has sickness, that person who has, unfortunately, any of the challenges of life, usually, in many circumstances, is able to cope with it much better than the person looking outside of them thinks they can. Because God gives us an incredible ability of reframing, an incredible will for life. Over this weekend, I had the incredible, in our community, we had the privilege, Linksfield Shul, to be listening to one of the top oncologists in the world, a, a, a former South African and currently a, a, in Sheba Hospital in Israel. Incredible, incredible human being. And Dr. Simon. And one of the things I asked him privately, I said, you know, you deal with people with the most, the most incredible challenges in life, the worst cancers and the worst prognosis. I said, do you find that people give up or do you find that people fight till the very end? And he said something very interesting. He turns to me and he says, even people who have a 1% chance of living will grab onto that 1% chance of living and create the narrative in their, in their own mind that they can live and they will live, which I found so, so heartwarming. Again, I could have heard that from other people, but here's a person who, who looks in the eyes of people that most of them walking through the door have a 50% chance of survival and 50% of not, heaven forbid, and yet each and every one of them, no matter what their challenge is, grabs onto a narrative of optimism and a, a narrative of life. And I've always, you know, wondered how, thank God, having never had to go through that challenge, please God never will, how people can go through so much physical and mental and, and, and emotional pain and still want to wake up in the morning, and yet... They do. It's their journey, and somehow in their journey, they have this most incredible tenacity to wake up again. And that's when it hit me that this, this, this truth of that statement that says, Eina Kaddish Baruch Hu, Barbetrunyam, of God does not give us a package we can't handle, how, how true it is. Yes, we often complain about it, and we often say, why does he believe he, I, he can give me such packages? Fair enough, I'm not here to excuse 
the suffering in this world. I'm not here to be God's lawyer. But what I do know is that each and every one of us in the challenges we do have, without justifying them, I do know that we can, we also are given the ability to cope. Do I, do we wish that we never had to be, never have to cope in the first place with those challenges? Absolutely. But with the challenge comes an incredible coping mechanism. And one of the incredible coping mechanisms is the ability to reframe, to create a story in our mind instead of a, sor- a story of victimhood, a story of feeling sorry for himself, rather a story of empowerment. How many parents have I met who have, you know, have a challenge with their child and after the initial pain of discovering that, you know, th- this child is not necessarily going to be the child of their previous dreams, they're able to create a whole new set of dreams and to be able to find such joy and enthusiasm in their child. Just to give one example, I have a relative who was, had a child who, this boy was born with a heart defect, unfortunately, and due to various, um, you know, procedures he had to go through, eventually, unfortunately, it turned into a, a brain issue as well, and ever since then, pretty much the kid is almost fully brain dead. And the kid's been alive for five years, and please God, he should live long. But the kid has no, no, no ability to pretty much do anything. Cannot communicate. Cannot look at you. Cannot sit on their own. Cannot stand on their own. Absolutely what we would call no quality of life. And yet this child's mother spent hundreds of hours, thousands of hours doing every course in the book and literally flew around the world to learn how to maximize this child's quality of life, whatever it can be, and spends her whole day with a tremendous um, passion getting this kid to progress on things that for most of us we wouldn't even consider progress because, thank God, a healthy baby figures out themselves. And for this child, it's a huge milestone. And literally, she'll celebrate any accomplishment, whether real or imaginary, with such joy and truly true joy for a child who seems on the outside to be giving her so little nachas, so little pleasure. I mean, just looking at the child breaks your heart. But she was able to reframe in her own mind a narrative and to find joy. And it's her journey. And she was given the incredible gift of finding joy in that journey. And of course, best case scenario, if we were able to design the world according to the way we want, the child wouldn't suffer. But again, we're not here to justify pain. We're he- uh, what I'm, I'm saying is that in the pain of our life, we are given, with the other hand, we're given an incredible ability, a skill set to make it through the challenge, to get through it stronger, to be able to reframe it into a narrative, not of pain, but a narrative of hope. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afsin, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, here on Fabrengen Show, Soul to Soul, every Tuesday from 1 to 2 on High FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avtsan on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. Rabbi Levi Avtsan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, here on Soul to Soul. And there's the very famous legend of the stonecutter, but somehow it's inspiring me at this moment, and I want to share it with you. Some stories are just worth repeating. So the stonecutter was sitting one day cutting his stones. Craig, you'll love the story. And... He's feeling really sorry for himself because what, what does the guy earn? A few bupkis and hard, bar- back-breaking label. I mean, stonecutter. 
And he starts imagining the life of a prince, the life of a king, being able to own the world and just ride around in this absolute beautiful wagon. And poof, he suddenly is that. He suddenly becomes this imaginary, this real actually, king in a wagon. And life is so fantastic. He's sitting there journeying in the countryside. But suddenly he becomes aware that he's getting really hot. He's feeling very hot. He looks up and he sees the sun is baking on him. And he says, sheesh, the sun is even more stronger than a king. I wish I was the sun. And he became the sun. Do you know the story? Okay. So the sun is feeling all chaffed with himself. And then what happens? The sun is suddenly blocked by a cloud. Pretty much Joburg weather these days. The sun is blocked by a cloud, and the cloud feels so, so powerful. So he becomes a cloud. I'm a, I, I want to be a cloud. I'll become a cloud. Then the cloud is pushed away by a rain cloud, and he says, you know what? I want to be a rain cloud. It becomes a rain cloud. Then what happens? The wind comes and starts pushing the rain cloud away, and he says, if only I was the wind. He becomes the wind. And the wind is shh all around. It's pushing. It's literally shaking everything up around the world. And then it hits into a huge mountain. And he tries to go through the mountain. But the wind can't go through a mountain. The mountain is stronger. And he says, if only I was a mountain. And guess what he became? A mountain. And he's, there he is, the mountain. And suddenly he feels clack. Clock, clock. Looks out and what does he see? There is a stone cutter knocking stones off the mountain. That the stone cutter is even stronger than the mountain. And he says, if only I was a stone cutter. And there he was again. His very own job. And that simple legend I remember hearing as a child, I remember reading in the book. It's so simple, but it's so true. The ability, each and every one of us, in our own narrative... To create a story, it's not a made-up story, it's a true story to appreciate the role that we play. There was the wood, the stonecutter who was able to come around to a perspective saying that he's the most powerful person. That's what he wanted in his life. He wanted to believe in a narrative that he's the, the most powerful. And there he was. He was able to, you know, through the power of imagination, create a narrative which is true that he's the most powerful person. And believe me, if the king wanted to create a narrative, the king could create a narrative. And if the sun wanted to create a narrative, the sun could create a narrative. And each narrative in itself is a true narrative. Each and every one of us is not tasked to understand other people's lives. We're tasked to understand our own. So many of us spend way too much time reading tabloids, reading autobiographies, biographies, etc. There's nothing wrong with a biography or an autobiography. Trying to make sense. Who was Michelle Obama? Who was our favorite celebrity? Let me understand more. Muhammad Gandhi. Let me understand the long road to freedom. Who made these people? It's fascinating. But we're not here to understand other people's journey. We could get inspiration from other people's journey. But the only journey that we're here to fully make peace with or embrace is our own. Not to write it as much to live our own autobiography. To appreciate our life. So when we walk over to somebody and we say, I cannot imagine what you're going through, it's because you're not there to imagine. 
You're there to imagine what you are going through. What is your journey? What do you have to understand about life? What is waiting for you? Yes, until I went through my own journey of losing a a young father, I was never able to imagine it. And I would think it's the biggest tragedy, and indeed it was a horrible tragedy. But yet I'm still able with this tragedy to look at other people who who look at me with empathy I can't imagine go through, and I look at them and say, I can't imagine what you're going through. And I think that they got a raw ordeal. Their deal is more raw. Their deal is a heavier package. But it's not true because it's their package. So for me to carry their package would be impossible. For them to carry their package, they're able to do it with a smile on their face. One of the prayers we say every morning, how lucky we are, how beautiful is our lot, our lot in life. And it's the same Hebrew word, who's wealthy, as we said earlier, who's happy with their lot. It's the same word, their lot, their package in life, their their section. How blessed we are with our chalik, with our section, with our portion in life. Because each and every one of us gets to play a part. And that part isn't perfect in anyone else's mind. But we have the ability of creating a narrative, which is the narrative that God wants us to create, and that is that this it's lat is perfect for me. That I can have unique challenges, which other people on the outside cannot appreciate, and still find incredible joy. Still have an incredible coping mechanism to wake up every morning and put my best foot forward. That is the gift that God gives each and every one of us. It's unfortunate when we think that we are unable to deal with our lives. It's unfortunate when people sit there looking in the mirror and all they see is dead eyes. Sad eyes, despaired eyes. It is sad to see how many people believe life is not worth living. How many people are making terrible choices for themselves and for their families, giving up on life, giving up on their marriage, giving up on their children, just because they don't believe that they're able to deal with it that they don't believe that they have the gift, they have the ability of waking up and dealing with their package. You can. Of course it's difficult. And of course all those standing aside, you cannot imagine how you're dealing with it. But you can deal with it. God gives us incredible abilities to live our part. But the first thing is to believe in God. The second thing is to believe that God wants us to live our part. He wants us to live He wants us to get up and he wants us to play our part and he knows we can and he gave us the ability to. And sometimes we feel how in the world can life move on? How in the world can I get up again? How in the world can I feel again? How in the world can I love again? How in the world can I live the life that I'm supposed to live. But the truth is, each and every one of us has the incredible gift from Hashem, the ability to wake up again and make an incredible, incredible life for ourselves. And my wish for each and every one of us is that we, first of all, that please God, the challenges go away, that we don't need, that we don't have any more challenges. But as long as the challenges are in, there in our life, to believe with every fiber of our being, that the challenges are there for us to carry, that we are able and we will 
carry them with pride and dignity that we will not cave in, that we are strong enough to carry our own lives. This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul, signing off on the last few minutes of the show. Um, first of all, I want to thank Chai FM. I want to thank Craig. Thank you for your patience. Uh, it took a, f- a little holiday. Thank you, for, Craig, for being understanding. I hope you put up some uh, interesting content over the past few weeks. And I just want to, you know, finish off by saying that the, the as my father passed away a month ago, and I'm just in the beginning of uh, of the year, I think I've finished a month, but a long journey ahead. I want to dedicate the show throughout the year to my father. I want to be able to talk about um, concepts that, you know, come to me and, and inspire me during this year. And I want to wish each and every one of us the, the gift that we should have joy in our life. Of course, first and foremost, we should have no sorrows, no difficulties, no challenges. But whatever our personal life is, we should have the gift and the ability to wake up and smile. Unfortunately, as a rabbi, one of the things that's hardest for me to see is how many people literally are giving up on life or partially giving up a life or partially giving up on their joy or partially giving up on their potential, not believing that the, that the best days are ahead of them, believing the narrative that the media is trying to sell us that the world is worse than ever was. And, you know, that's my ultimate pet peeve, how false that is. Just to give you a small example, somebody yesterday says, oh, rabbi, this is the only country in the world that has load shedding, you know, because in our area we had load shedding yesterday. And I said, do you know that there are more countries in the world that don't have electricity than, than countries that do, at least electricity full time? All we hear about is maybe America and, uh, and Western Europe where there's electricity all the time. But do you know that most of the world does not have normal electricity and does not have normal uh, life um, in the way we consider normal life? So, yes, it's so easy to create a narrative, boo-hoo, you know, our electricity goes down once a month for a few hours or even once a week, and it's the end of the world. Go to the go to South America, go to other countries in Africa, go to the Far East and just look there. And I'm not saying life is perfect here, but I'm saying it is so easy to feel sorry for ourselves. And that's why the best gift we can give ourselves is to frame better stories in our head, to stop feeling that the world is just horrible, to stop buying into this narrative that the world is a jungle, to stop buying into a narrative that God's out to get us and the world's out to get us. It is so false, false, first and foremost, and it's so unnecessary. It does nobody a favor. One of the things I'll be eternally grateful for my father is that he was able to give us, his children, an incredible love of life. My father loved life. He never felt sorry for himself. He just loved, loved, loved living partied away and just thought that life was one big incredible party and he squeezed out of his 61 years more than most people squeeze out of three times that amount we can all squeeze out of life so much more not by changing the life we have but by reframing the life we have and in this month of joy I wish us all that we have the gift and the ability to reframe our life to a life of joy, a life of happiness, and a life of serenity, a life of positivity, a life of faith, and to truly believe the truth, and that is that we are so blessed and that we can cope with anything and that our life is so full of blessing. Wishing you a great week. Thank you so much. Please God, next week here on 101.9 High FM.